Uh, yeah, I'm Clint. You guys are here. Thanks for watching online. Thanks for being here on this super hot day. Uh, my watch tells me it's going to be 94 degrees today. That's terrifying. Uh, but we get to suffer in the, in the heat together. Uh, anyway, I'm Clint. I'm going to talk and about stuff. Uh, over the summer, we've been pressing into three things as a community. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about the presence of God. And we've been talking about community. And now these are three things that we place a high value on because these are three things that transform us. These are three things that Jesus uses to bring us to life. Now last week, John talked about discipleship. And he asked everybody this question. He said, are you in? Are you in? Because we all get to decide if we're in or if we're not. Now let me be clear. Uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, working in us is the one that brings us to life. We can't make this happen on our own. We can't force transformation to happen. When John says, are you in, it's, are you ready? Are you prepared to make space to experience God? Because there is work that we can do on our end. And I love the way that John compared it to learning another language. He said, anybody can learn Spanish. And yet, it takes time, it takes effort. You gotta study, you gotta practice, you gotta learn about all those conjugations, and uh, you gotta download that little app with the, I think it's got the owl, the Duolingo, I, I don't know what it is, because uh, I don't do Spanish. But uh, after the service, one of our friends, a guy named Josh, came up to John, and he said something like this. He says, John, you know, it's easier to learn Spanish when you surround yourself with others who speak Spanish. Think about that. I think that is one of the most perfect analogies of a healthy community that I've ever heard. So that's what we're going to look at today. The value of community. Because friends, we need each other. We were created for community. And Jesus, he uses community to transform us, to bring us to life. And it's in community that we get to walk our faith out. Community, it molds us. It shapes us. Uh, I came across this quote. It's in a book called The Second Mountain, The Quest for a Moral, uh, a Moral Life. And in it, uh, this guy named David Brooks, he says, never underestimate the power of the environment you work in to gradually transform who you are. When you choose to work at a certain company, you are turning yourself into the sort of person who works in that company. That's true of churches too. All community molds us, shapes us transforms us. So today, we're going to talk about the type of community that we want to be, what we're striving for. We're going to look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Like we've been, we've been in Paul for a long time. I like Paul, but Peter, he's my guy. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to talk about how we desire to be a community that prays together, a community that loves deeply, and a community that serves together. So uh, we got Bibles in the chair backs in front of you, or you can pull out your phone and use whatever, whatever app. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. But before we dive in, let me pray for us. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here even more right now. Father, we know that you're right here in our midst. And Father, we just ask that you would speak to us right now. As we gather as a community, would you speak to us as individuals? And as a church, would you show us where you're leading us, where you're guiding us, where you're transforming us? Would you show us how we're to love and how we're to serve, both as individuals and as a group? So, Father, we just set aside everything from this week. 
We set aside all the things that we're stepping into and we just give you this time right now. In your holy name, amen. So 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Peter writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So right away, Peter comes out the gate swinging. He goes, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. And now when I go through this stuff, I like to paraphrase it, right? So the Clint version of this is the end's coming. Don't freak out. Pay attention. Relax and pray. So let's start that first part. It says the end is near. This isn't doom and gloom. This isn't Y2K. Uh, you guys remember Y2K? Oh my gosh, I grew up like super rural, so Y2K was the thing. They're like, oh man, everything's gonna shut down. We're gonna have to fend off the land. Like we're stockpiling things. We're just doom and gloom. I was, uh, I was 11 during Y2K, and I can remember like sitting on the couch. I, I think it was New Year's, uh, like New Year's Eve, but it might have been a little bit before that. And we're watching um, this program on like the History Channel about all of the Nostradamus prophecies. You guys remember those? The Nostradamus, these prophecies were coming true and it basically was proving that the, the world was going to end in a couple of hours. And so I'm 11 and I'm sitting watching this program and I like start hyperventilating. Like I am dying on the couch. Like so much that my dad is like, Clint, relax, man. They talked about how the end of the world is going to happen every single year. It's fine. Take a breath, relax. When Peter is writing about the end, of the end of the world, he says the end is near, this is good news. This isn't doom and gloom. This isn't, well, you got to you know, get the hand pump out to make sure you have water. This is good stuff. And as a community, we are a community of end-minded people. We believe that God, um, we believe that the God that we follow, Jesus, came into the world to make everything right. Not only does he bring us to life personally, but in Colossians uh, 1.20, it says, through him uh, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, all things are being made perfect again. And we might not see it in our lifetime, but we have no need to fear the end. The end is something that we, we look forward to. It's something that we strive for because we believe that where we're going is perfection. So when he says, pay attention to the end, that's what he's talking about. This perfection is coming. But we don't just look forward to it, we live into it. We embrace the things of the end now. We don't wait to extend mercy, compassion, grace. We don't wait to act. We're trying to live out that end right now. And we have a long ways to go, but we'll get there. So when we talk about the end, it's a good thing. And Peter writes that with this end in mind, we should pray. And we view prayer as a conversation with God. In prayer, we're interacting with, uh, with the creator of the universe, 
We're spending time with the same God that spoke a single word and brought order to chaos. Verse seven says when we pray, we need to be alert. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. And that kind of informs what we should pray for. We can be alert to things that are going on in our lives, both the good things and the bad things. So ask yourself this. Like, when was the last time you practiced gratitude for something really good in your life? When was the last time that you turned to God and asked for help for something that just seemed way too big for you? How about this one? When was the last time that you prayed and asked God to make you aware of where in your life you needed to change? When was the last time you, your family, your friends, your small group got together and prayed and said, God, what values should we embody? Who are you calling us as a family to be? How are we to live? Who are we to serve? Now, these are some really good things to get alert to. These are all kind of individual, uh, internal things. Let's expand that a little bit. Let's look one level out. Uh, who in your life are you getting alert to and maybe get uh, proximate to? Like, who are the people in your life that God is highlighting to you? Who's that family member, that friend, that coworker, that classmate that God is kind of drawing you to? Maybe it's that friend that's struggling with mental health. Maybe it's that relative that is broke again and is coming and asking you for money again. Maybe it's a charity. Maybe it's a nonprofit that you're being drawn to participate with. Who's that coworker that you have a hard time like, getting along with? That one that just always gets under your skin? You know that coworker? I'm that coworker around here. <laughs> Who's that coworker? Maybe God is drawing you closer to that person. Who are you being drawn to? Now move one more level out, even bigger. What like issues, what big picture things is God inviting you to participate in? Because Duluth, our Twin Ports community, has some really big issues that we're dealing with, whether we realize it or not. Maybe you've read about the lack of affordable housing. You've read about people without homes. You've read about the opioid addiction. It breaks your heart. Maybe God is inviting you to do something about it. Maybe you've gotten present, you've got alert to the fact that a lot of the youth in our country, they're not doing so well. Anxiety, depression, suicide. These are things that our youth are facing every single day. What are you getting alert to? Maybe it's environmental issues. Did you guys know Hawaii like caught fire and burned? Things are happening on our planet. There's droughts, wildfires, it's going to be 94 degrees today. We're melting. What are you getting alert to? What's God drawing you into? And as a community, what's God saying to all of us together? What issues are we supposed to face? What are we supposed to say, this is not the end that we know we're moving towards? How do we bring that end into the here and now? Because friends, there's all things, there's things in our lives that God is asking us to get alert to. And Peter tells us that we have to be alert to these things and we have to be sober-minded. Sober-minded means calm, collected, peaceful. We can do this by embracing that end, by looking forward to where we're going. By looking forward to where we're going, we can face the really tough things right now.
And um, I feel like confession, guys. Like every time I speak, I keep going back to the book of Revelations. Like I love it. So every time you hear me speak, you're probably going to have to look forward to a verse in Revelations. But uh, Revelations 21.5, it says, He who is seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. He's making everything new. And you and I, our church community, we get to partner with that. This is where we're going. All things made new. And as we enter into prayer, Peter is saying, be alert to what's going on around you, but pray with the end in mind. We want to be an end-minded people, an end-minded community, but we pray for that end today because we are a community that prays. We pray for others in our alone time. We are a community that loves each other enough to hold one another in prayer. And I want to be really clear here. When I'm saying, uh, when I say I'm praying for you, it doesn't mean, oh, well, you've got some serious issues and I don't really want to help and I don't know what to do, so I'll be praying for you. That's not what I'm saying at all. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer brings ourselves and the person we're praying for into the presence of God. There's real power there. And so I came across this uh, blog post by a woman named uh, Oshita Moore. And she wrote this following in a response to, uh, there was an article posted a while back that was uh, five things Christians should stop saying. And one of those things was, I'm praying for you. So uh, Oshita, she responds this way. She says, when I say I'll be praying for you, I'm telling you that you matter. Not your juicy drama, not the way your confidence makes me feel all gooey and needed, not even the connection to kingdom work this prayer time invokes. You matter. My sister, my brother, my friend, you matter. You, an image bearer, a precious reflection of God to me, are so profound and so stunning that nothing less than wholeness should be yours. In fact, your pain really ticks me off. When I say I'm praying for you, I'm telling you I want more than this war-torn world for you. When I say I'm praying for you, I'm asking you to take my hand and let's run to the throne of grace through the crossfire, and if we get hit, we get hit together. Then we'll let Jesus heal us together. Prayer brings us closer to Jesus. It moves us into a position where we can truly love, care, and support those around us. This, this is a high calling for all of those of us who call Jesus our God. Jesus himself prayed for his disciples. We see it in John 17. We see Paul, so many of the churches, I was going through all of his letters this week, counting up the times he said, like, oh, you know, Galatians, I'm holding you in prayer. He, he prays for just about every single church in his letter, saying, I remember you and I'm holding you up. So we remember each other in prayers. We lift each other up. This is the community that we are but we don't just pray on our own. We pray together as a group. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. There's something powerful. There's something even kind of mystical, supernatural about coming together to pray. When we pray together, we encounter God in, a, in ways that we just can't when we're praying on our own. So I experienced this pretty early on when I started coming to the vineyard. I got involved in a college and young adult small group. Uh, a guy named Mike was leading it. We were meeting at his house on 9th Street. 
And I can remember, I was new to this whole praying for other people thing. You know, I thought it was a little bit strange. You put your hand out, you touch somebody on the shoulder, and then you're, you're supposed to get words and things to pray for them. What's that all about? Um, so we're praying as a group for, we kind of went around a circle, everybody's praying for everybody. And I had this weird thing happen where as we're praying for folks, I'm seeing pictures like in my imagination, uh, like I'm daydreaming, but I'm, I'm praying for them. And then I would see this picture and then somebody else in the group would pray words that match my picture. And it happened over and over and over again. And now I'm not too smart. In that moment, I was like, oh, maybe this is the voice of God. Who knew? God was speaking. He speaks to us, and we learn how to hear his voice in this context of community. So ask yourselves, where are you at with prayer? Do you have people in your life that you're praying for? And do you have people in your life that are praying for you? Friends, this is important. If there's one thing that you take away from today, prayer matters. We need to pray for others. We need to have others pray for us. So at the end of the service, if you need a little bit of encouragement, if you need to know that you're not alone, if you're craving an encounter with something bigger than yourself, something more, at the end of the service, we're going to have a team that comes up front and they pray for folks. Come get prayer. Honestly, this is one of the most important, powerful, life-changing things you can do is to establish regular rhythms of prayer. So come get prayer at the end of the service. And if you're looking into growing your personal prayer life more, we have all these wonderful small groups. All of our small groups are going to start up in October. Find a group. Find your people. People that you can pray with. People that will pray for you. This is important. We are a community that prays, and those prayers, they push us towards love. Look at verse 8. Peter says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. We want to be a community known for the way it loves. Jesus says in John 13, verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If people were to look at your life right now, would they be able to tell that you follow Jesus by the way that you love? See, friends, this is why I love community and specifically why I love this community. Because we get a chance to love people that are different than us. So let's do a little exercise. This is the interactive part of the message. Um, I want you to look around. And if you're at home, you can do this too. Look around the room. See people who are here. We have a lot of different people here. We have people in this room that think differently than you do, that vote differently than you do, that have made different life choices than you've made, and who cheer for the wrong sports team. <laughs> We're all here together. And we get this opportunity to love across our differences, to love and serve each other. So let's do a case study. Um, on one side, you got Clint. On one side, you got John B. Clure. Now, Clint, he grew up 
in a suburb of Aiken called Thor, Minnesota. John grew up in some town in Washington, his name I can't pronounce, I'm not even going to try. My last job, I was a cook at the third best Italian restaurant in the Twin Ports. John was a corporate attorney and a biotech executive. <laughs> I own cats, he owns dogs. Uh, I have a lot of hobbies, he walks his dog. <laughs> I love every single character in Star Trek Next Gen with the passion of a thousand sons. John stopped at Spock. <laughs> I've been listening to Taylor Swift's album Midnight on repeat for weeks. When I asked John what he thought of Taylor Swift, he goes, she seems nice. <laughs> on paper, John and I have basically nothing in common. We shouldn't be friends. If it wasn't for this community, I would have never met John. Here's the thing. The thing that holds, that, that unites us, the thing that we have in common, is we both love Jesus. We both have experienced his love. We've experienced his forgiveness. We've experienced his transformation in our lives. And because of that, we can love each other well. We can recognize that each one of us were created in the image of God. And because of that, we are valued, we are important, we are special. We can love each other. We can celebrate our differences because we've all been created uniquely. And as we love each other, we are being a community that is worshiping God through that love. Loving each other is worshiping, it's praising God. And when you love someone, you forgive them for liking the wrong Star Trek character. You extend grace when someone hurts you. You seek forgiveness when you hurt others. Because even though community is great, we can't look at it through a lavender haze. Anybody? Mm -hmm. Community is not all sunshine and rainbows. It's hard. We'll get it wrong. We'll make mistakes. We'll hurt each other. Peter writes that love covers over a multitude of sins. And that's true. We're called to forgive. This verse, however, is not meant to be an excuse for letting people off the hook for not holding people accountable. It's not a verse that's meant to be weaponized, to condone abuse, or bad immoral behavior. Let that sink in for a minute. Are we called to forgive? Absolutely. Is forgiveness love and action? Of course. And sometimes we forgive and we set boundaries. Let me say that again, because I think there are some of us here today that really need to hear this. If you are or have been in a spot where this verse has been weaponized, I am so very sorry. If this verse or verses like it have been used to encourage you to stay in an unsafe situation, to expose yourself to more abuse, or as a way for somebody to avoid accountability, I am so sorry. That is not the type of community that we want to be. We want to be a community that extends radical mercy. Yes, it's not our job to tell anyone that they're going to hell. Everyone can experience forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean there's no justice. Part of following Jesus is that we embrace both mercy, and justice. 
we live in that tension. That's hard. That's difficult. We'll get it right, we'll get it wrong. But friends, we get to do it together. And part of following Jesus is that when we mess up, we own up. We make amends for our mistakes. Jesus says in Matthew 5, this is verses 23 and 24. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift on the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come offer your gift. Friends, we've been forgiven much and there's much that we need to seek reconciliation for. So what's that for you? Who do you need to forgive? Is it someone that hurt you today? This week, years ago? What would it look like for you to extend God's radical mercy to that person, to release them to the Lord while trusting in God's incredible justice? How can we do that together? And where, make it really personal now, where do you need to leave your gift on the altar and go ask for forgiveness? Where do you need to take ownership of the sin in your life and the consequences of your actions and go make amends? And for all of us, what would it look like today to lean into justice, to not minimize or downplay sin, but to call it out? call it out for what it is. To live that future reality where we're going to see all of justice. What if we could live that today? What would it look like for you to work towards that? Maybe it's standing in the gap for those that the system has overlooked. Folks without homes, kids that are in rough situations, the planet. Where's the Lord inviting you to lean into justice? And where's he asking you to get others involved because friends, none of us are uh, uh, the, the, what's the guy's name? The Lone Ranger. None of us are the Lone Ranger. We don't have to do this alone. We are a community. We are in this together. So where is God asking you to grab family members, friends, neighbors, the people sitting in the seats next to you and move forward towards both mercy and justice together? Because that's the type of community that we want to be. We are a community that prays and then that prayer moves us deeper into love and then that love propels us into action. Love motivates us to act. And this looks uh, lots of different ways. Peter says that one way we demonstrate our love is, uh, this is verse nine, we offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now back in the ancient world, Hospitality was a really big deal. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of, lot of inns, hotels. Hilton wasn't a thing yet. So, you know, strangers, travelers would, uh, would like, rely on hospitality to survive. They'd go to a town and people would invite them in. Otherwise, they'd be sleeping in the street. In our modern context, what does this look like? Hospitality is about creating space for folks. It's about opening our lives and our homes to others. Hospitality is about getting proximate and being inclusive with others. As a community, do you realize how radical it would be if we all leaned into hospitality, if we created space for people who didn't have a spot to call home? 
if they didn't know who their people were. We got to become their people. Now, I remember when I worked at the uh, third best Italian restaurant in Twin Ports, there was uh, a Christian gal there. Her name was Ruth. And when I first met Ruth, I wasn't following Jesus uh, at all. But Ruth, she stood out to me because she, uh, she just lived her faith all out. You know, she, everybody knew she was a Christian, but she didn't talk about her faith in an over-the-top, forceful way. You know, she used wisdom. Um, but she talked about her faith. But more importantly, she lived her faith out. I can remember just about every major holiday, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, maybe even Easter, you'd walk into the break room, and there on the wall uh, would be this handwritten note. And it would say, hi, friends. Uh, if you don't have somewhere to celebrate the holiday, my family always makes way too much food. Come be part of our family for the day. We would love to have you. Here's my cell number. Call me anytime. Your friend, Ruth. She was living it out. And when I first started following Jesus, because I met Jesus when I was at the Olive Garden, <gasps> I said it out loud. You online, you can't share that. The third best Italian restaurant, redacted. I watched Ruth. Because I was like, here's somebody that's living their faith out. She wasn't just going to church on Sunday. She was following Jesus. And that's powerful. She was opening her home, her life to people. She didn't grumble about it. I don't think she did it because she felt like she was obligated. She had experienced the love of Jesus in her life, and then she was extending that same love to other people. That's the type of community that we want to be. Full disclosure, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> Sometimes I think my life is a mess because physically my house is a mess. I got small kids. So I think about inviting people over. I'm like, what? I got to clean. I got to make sure that the kids are on their best behavior, all this stuff. I make excuses. Friends, we all make excuses. God is bigger than our excuses. We're all called to extend hospitality in various ways. What does that look like for you? Maybe it is opening up your home, having people over for a meal. Maybe it's inviting that uh, temperamental colleague out to coffee. Maybe it's getting involved in a mentorship program. What is it for you? How is the Lord inviting you to extend love, grace, compassion, all the things that we've experienced to others? How is he calling you to create space? So if you love hospitality, if you're like, Clint, I'm not doing that, I got news for you. We're going to talk a lot about hospitality around Christmas time. So spoiler alert, more coming. Um, the last thing I want to talk about today is uh, that love serves. Love serves. We pray, we love deeply, and then we're a community that serves. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We each have been given gifts from God. The word Peter uses here is stewards. Now, a steward is someone who, um, uh, someone who keeps something until the real owner gets back. So it's like in Lord of the Rings, 
the steward of Gondor, ruled Gondor until the king, Aragorn, came back. We are stewards. We have received gifts. These gifts are from God, but they're also of God. We've received his things, his gifts, and we're to use those to love and serve other people. It says that when we speak, we're speaking the very words of God. It's not us speaking. It's the Lord working through us. When we serve, we're not serving in our strength. That is God serving right alongside of us. This is powerful. Our service is from God, and it's for others. As a community, when we serve others, we desire others to experience God's love. We do this in community with him through our service. See how that works? We're serving others. At the same time, we're experiencing God. And as we experience God, through us, others experience God. It's this goofy, I don't even know how many links are in that diagram, but it gets crazy. When we serve, we're serving God. He's right there in the middle of all of it, strengthening us, encouraging us, helping us to love. Serving others, it becomes that two-way path. It rounds off all of our rough edges and others are blessed and experience God's love. Now, the best way I can describe this is um, uh, up until very recently, I was one of the youth pastors here. I spent six or seven years working with high school students and middle school students, and I loved every minute of it. And sometimes middle and high school students, they're challenging. I thought I was a patient person. And then I had to tell a kid like four or five times in one night to not try to climb up the rock wall outside. It's not a real rock wall. It'll break off. It'll crack your skull open. But it looks so fun. I'm not as patient as I thought. It's in those moments when I'm loving and serving youth that like Jesus meets me. He fills me with patience. He fills me with compassion. He motivates me to love and serve. And through that, I become a more compassionate person. I become a more patient person. You know, when my, uh, uh, when <laughs> my four-year-old yesterday, it was just crazy. She turned, you ever do the thing where like parents, you know how you like, you set the screen time and then you just really need to get something done? And so like, well, what's another 20 minutes? And then your child turns into the screen monster. That was Clara yesterday screen monster all day. Oh my gosh. Five years ago, six years ago, I wouldn't have had patience for that. It's loving and serving middle and high school students that was um, created space for the Lord to fill me with patience. And now I can handle a screen monster at home most of the time. I'm not perfect. Where is God inviting you to serve? Like what are those rough edges? that he's going to work on. Like as you love and serve other people, how does the Lord want to minister to you in the middle of that? And what's beautiful is we get to do this as a community. We love and serve others, and this has a huge impact. So um, some of you probably know that we have a food shelf called Fruit of the Vine. In there, they have a clothing closet. So members of our community bring and donate gently used clothes and then we open up the food shelf. Uh, anybody that needs food, needs clothes, they can come and get it. Well, I want to read you something that somebody uh, sent our compassion director, Barry, this week. Uh, this is a note we got. It said, Good afternoon, Barry. 
I wanted to thank everyone that helps provide the clothing closet. I lost my entire bag of clothes last week, and I'm staying at the Chum Center. I've gone to Damiano and gotten two, well, oversized outfits. I was still grateful, but not interview ready for anywhere. I walked uh, out to the Fruit of the Vine Church yesterday and thank the Lord. I found two slacks and two button-down short-sleeve shirts that matched and fit well along with some clean undershirts. With my confidence restored, I applied to a dishwasher job and I'm proud to say I'm gainfully employed at $17 an hour. Thank you to everyone there that the Lord used. Friends, that's the type of community that we want to be. We want to be a community that loves and serves together in big ways and small ways. Where as a community, we're blessing the Twin Ports region. We're pooling our resources so that we can help more and more people. And when we do this, it brings glory to God. Look at that last line, verse 11. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's where we're going. We want to be a community that prays, that loves, that serves. And through that, God is praised. Healthy community brings glory to God. When we pray for each other, when we create space for one another, when we use our gifts to bless each other, there's real spiritual power there. Obstacles are torn down. Mountains are moved. People encounter the love of God, maybe for the first time, and they sing his praise. Friends, how amazing would it be if our community got to reflect more and more the nature and character of God? What if we were lifting people up in prayer and they, by lifting them up, they felt the difference that it made in their lives. So then they were pivoting back to our community and saying, hey, could you be praying for me? I got this thing going on. What if through our prayers, they encountered the love of God? What if through the way that we love each other and love others, people praised God? Just like they, uh, that person did through receiving a gift of free clothes through the food shelf. What if when we were serving others, we focused on the fact that through our service, people are loving and experiencing God? What if as we serve, we turn that back into worship and got to see more and more people take steps towards Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? That's the type of community that we want to be a part of. Through prayer, through loving each other, through serving each other, we can become that community. That community that brings more and more praise and glory to God. So friends, let's practice this by praying together now. So if you're able, I'd ask you just to stand up with me. We're going to do that thing that I call ministry time. It's not just me. Other people call it that too. I didn't like patent that word or nothing. Uh, but this is a chance to press into prayer together. To experience the living God who's right here in the middle of it all. So friends, I'm going to open us up with some prayer. I've been praying this week. I think there's some things that God wants to do uh, in us and through us today. So I'm going to pray that out over us. And then uh, ministry team, at any point, you can start making your way up here because then these folks that are coming up would love to pray for you. So friends, as a community, let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. We just take this moment to acknowledge your presence in the room. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come?
Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the way that you're speaking to each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for this community. We thank you that you've put each and every one of us here in this room today on purpose. So Father, would you help us to recognize where you're working not only in us, but in the people around us. So right now, uh, I feel like there's probably some of us in this room that you've been praying for specific people for a long time. Your kids, your family members, your friends. And you're just not seeing, seeing any movement. So if that's you, what I want you to do right now is just hold that person in your mind. And as a community, we're going to pray for that person. So Father, we lift these people up to you. Father, we know that you love them. We know that you're for them. So these people that we're holding in our hearts and our minds, would you move in their life? Would you make make your voice so known to them that they can't miss it? We pray for divine encounters. Would you bring people into their life that can speak your words to them? As a community, we just lift them up to you now. And some of us, we, we're beginning to feel that urge towards service. We feel God drawing us towards something bigger than us. So if that's you, I just want to pray for you right now. So Holy Spirit, would you bless that desire? Would you show these people that that is from you? Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them discernment? Would you provide resources? Would you provide confirmation? Would you tear down obstacles and walls? Would you allow them to serve in your strength? And there's some of us here that this, uh, this idea of mercy and justice in equal amounts, like we haven't seen that lived out. Specifically, I feel like there's some of us that have been really hurt by a church, maybe this church. You're having trouble um, walking out that forgiveness and that mercy. So if that's you, God sees you. He knows right where you're at. He's with you in the middle of it. So Father, would you meet those friends in powerful ways? Would you minister to their hearts? Would you walk with them as they move, move towards healing and towards forgiveness? And Father, I pray that you would reveal how mercy and justice can work together. We break off the, the lie that they are opposed to each other.
And there are some of us here that are looking for community. We haven't found our people yet. So Father, would you just bless that desire for community? Would you bring people into their lives that can help them to grow, can teach them to pray, can teach them to study the Bible? And the last thing, I think this is for a number of us. As I was praying last night and this morning, this is something that really stood out to me. There's some of us here that we feel totally alone. Maybe you're surrounded by a bunch of people, but you feel alone. If that's you, know that the Lord is with you. You are on his heart, you are on his mind, and he has good things for you. So if that's you, if you feel totally alone, God sees you, and he sees the real you. Not the person that you present to the world. He sees who you actually are. He loves it, and he's proud of you. So if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to do something brave, and as we start to worship here, come up front and let one of these people pray for you. If you're looking for an encounter with something bigger than yourself, it's up here. Don't miss out. These folks would love to pray with you. So friends, we're gonna continue to worship and we're gonna pray for each other. I'd encourage you just linger in this space as long as you can. Soak in this community. Soak in the spirit of God that's here. Thank you all so much for coming to the Vineyard.